This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected chronic disease in many complex ways. Early in the pandemic, it became clear that people with chronic conditions and older adults were at the highest risk for COVID-19 hospitalization and death. People in some racial and ethnic minority populations experience disproportionately worse health outcomes. Pandemic-related disruptions to the healthcare system and individuals' concerns about healthcare-related exposures affected chronic disease management. In-person visits for people with chronic conditions declined. Supply chain disruptions led to shortages of medications, and the number of cancer screenings, treatments, and surgeries declined in the United States. And recent evidence suggests that COVID-19 may make existing chronic diseases worse and increase the risk of developing new chronic conditions. The PCD collection we'll discuss today demonstrates the diverse ways that geographic information systems and technology, referred to here on out as GIS and technology, can support research and policy at the intersection of COVID-19 and chronic disease to lessen the impact of the pandemic on public health practitioners and the public. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Jeremy Minnis from the Department of Geography and Urban Studies at Temple University, Dr. Kevin Matthews from CDC's Office of the Associate Director for Policy and Strategy, and Dr. Sarah Houston from the Maine Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the Muskie School of Public Service at the University of Southern Maine. They served as guest editors of this PCD collection and will share with us how this collection of papers highlights the important role GIS and technology plays in understanding the social and environmental determinants of health that cause inequities in infectious and chronic disease risk factors ultimately producing the health disparities we've seen surrounding chronic disease during the pandemic. To start, tell us a little about yourself. What is your background and how does it relate to this collection? Dr. Minnis, we'll start with you. Well, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk about the special collection. Uh, my name is Jeremy Menes, and I'm a professor in geography and urban studies at Temple University here in Philadelphia. I've got a PhD in geography with expertise in a field called geographic information science that has to do with geospatial technologies, methods, and theory. Uh, I've been collaborating with folks in public health research that use geographic information science for about 15 years. It's been really, really fun. I often get a question about what does geography have to do with public health? And I usually answer by saying that the neighborhood in which you live, the places you go, and the people you spend time with all affect your health. And this is certainly true in the case of the intersection of chronic disease and COVID-19. Thank you. Dr. Matthews? Hi, Malia. Yeah, thanks for having us on to talk about this collection. My background, I have a D in the Geographic Information Sciences from the University of Iowa. And then uh, CDC hired me in 2015 as a health geographer specializing in chronic disease. And later, I served on the COVID-19 pandemic response. But this training and experience has provided me with the expertise to, needed to answer public health questions that can only be answered with geospatial technologies, such as uh, what are the demographic processes that led to the geographic patterns of chronic disease and COVID that we observed during the pandemic? And more importantly, what kind of geographic evidence do we need to develop sound public health interventions and policy uh, needed to reduce the impact of the disease? Wonderful. Dr. Houston? 
So thanks for having us on the podcast. I'm not a geographer. I'm an epidemiologist, but I'm definitely kind of a GIS geek. I really just love maps and geospatial analysis and what those methods can bring to our understanding of health. And I've jumped at every opportunity to use these methods in my work. So after earning my doctorate in epidemiology, I started my career as an epidemic intelligence service officer with the U.S. CDC. And since then, I've worked as an applied epidemiologist in state health departments for more than 25 years specializing in chronic diseases. And right now I serve as the lead chronic disease epidemiologist for the state of Maine. And I'm also an associate research professor of public health at the University of Southern Maine. And in terms of COVID-19, I worked with two colleagues at the Maine State Health Department to stand up the state's COVID-19 contact tracing effort during the initial months of the pandemic. And then in my academic role, I've also been serving throughout the pandemic on the University of Maine Systems Scientific Advisory Board for COVID-19. Dr. Minist, talk a little bit about the topics addressed in the collection and why this research is important right now. Well, the first most important concept here is that COVID-19 and chronic disease are not independent, but interdependent processes. And so if we want to develop an adequate response and plan for addressing these pandemics, epidemics, then we have to have an integrated approach based in public health. Geospatial perspectives have a lot to offer this integrated public health response. A lot of viewers might question what is a geospatial perspective? It has to do with three primary components. The first is geospatial data. That's essentially where disease is happening, where COVID-19 is occurring, where different chronic diseases are occurring, and other characteristics that are related to those disease processes like socioeconomic status. So geospatial data tells us where those diseases actually are. The second component here is geospatial analytical techniques. Those are connecting those environmental conditions to where those diseases actually are and understanding those associations or relationships, whether those environmental conditions are physical conditions like temperature, precipitation, um, characteristics of the environment, or characteristics of the social and built environment. Uh, the way cities are laid out to actually encourage or discourage types of close social interactions that can facilitate the spread of infectious diseases and so on, or other characteristics, social characteristics of places that might be preconditions for certain types of diseases. And the third component is geospatial technologies. That has to do with the geospatial databases like geographic information systems or ability to use computer mapping technologies or sensing technologies, even social media, or even remote sensing from space that might help us collect information to better understand the distribution and intersection of COVID-19 and chronic diseases. You know, one question is why now? Why is this important now? Why this special collection now? And one important characteristic is that geospatial technologies have really advanced recently in a very rapid way. And this is really what's allowing us to use geospatial technologies and methods effectively to address uh, the intersection of COVID-19 and chronic disease. Dr. Menes, this question is also for you. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected chronic disease in many complex ways. Please tell listeners how GIS and technology can help us better understand the relationship between chronic disease and COVID-19 and ways it can be used to help experts respond to the pandemic. Sure. Well, as I said, one of the most important aspects is to understand where chronic diseases and COVID-19 are and where they're co-occurring. 
And we use that to disseminate information to public health policymakers, practitioners, and the public. So people can make educated decisions about how to respond to the diseases and make decisions about protecting their own health in the case of the public. Secondly, the use of geospatial analysis and modeling to forecast where COVID-19 is going to spread in the future and what those health effects are going to actually be in order to direct local and regional prevention and response efforts. The other aspect here is uh, assisting uh, in appropriate responses for the allocations of medical equipment like masks, interventions such as vaccination, and other types of non-pharmaceutical health interventions like limitations on travel or closures of businesses and schools and so on. I'd also say in addition to these practical applications, uh, the use of geospatial technologies can improve our understanding of these processes of diffusion of infectious diseases like COVID-19 and their intersection with chronic diseases so that we can better respond in the near and long term to other infectious diseases uh, and to the future of COVID and chronic disease in the near term as well. One example of that is leveraging what we consider novel big geospatial data sets like mobility data collected from mobile phones. Most people are carrying around mobile phones that actually track their location right now. Those data are incredibly useful for understanding the efficacy of uh, limitations on travel and other sorts of interventions that we can use to address the diffusion of COVID and its impacts. And another important aspect here is understanding the nature of health disparities by race, ethnicity, disability, and other characteristics like that, and how they interact with the intersection of COVID-19 and chronic disease in understanding things like the distribution of vaccination, uh, because those disparities are typically embedded in place, and there's a lot of regional variation that actually help us to design better ways to address things like infectious diseases and chronic diseases and improve public health. Dr. Houston, can you talk about the ways this collection addresses health disparities and advances health equity as it relates to the pandemic and how GIS and technology can be used to help communities address these gaps? Sure. I think that GIS and technology has really important methods that can help address health disparities, since many of the root causes and structural inequities that lead to health disparities are really based in place and geography, as Dr. Menace just mentioned. GIS science is a really important tool in understanding how place-based inequities, chronic disease, and COVID-19 interact, and where public health can make a difference. And there are actually quite a number of papers in the collection that address this topic, and I'll just kind of try to highlight a couple. Embury and co-authors have a really interesting paper in the collection that looks at how relationships between social determinants of health, chronic disease, and COVID-19 changed over the course of the pandemic. And they looked at whether spatial modeling of chronic disease rates that were most strongly associated with social determinants of health could identify communities that were most vulnerable to COVID-19 infection. And they used a technique called geographically weighted regression, which sounds like a really fancy name, but it's really just based on the idea that the relationships between, say, a chronic disease and COVID-19 infection might be different across different geographic areas. And so this is a type of regression modeling that can show how place impacts those relationships. Another interesting example is the GIS snapshot by Michaels and co-authors. And with the pandemic, we saw a lot of things move to online, right? Telehealth and et cetera. 
So these authors looked at the relationship between household internet access and COVID-19 vaccination rates at the zip code level in New York City. And they found that zip codes with lower internet access had lower COVID-19 vaccination rates. And they used a method called bivariate choropleth mapping, which is a really effective technique for showing the geographic distribution of two different but correlated variables in one map. And they use that method to illustrate this relationship and identify those areas with low internet access and low vaccination rates. And at the time of their analysis, which was actually quite early on in the pandemic, many vaccine providers in New York City were only accepting appointments through online systems. So this was really actionable information. And I just want to stop and encourage listeners to really go and look at the collection and look at the maps, because maps are really visual. And I think that's a little hard to get across in this podcast format. In terms of how GIS and technology can be used to address health disparities moving forward, I know with the pandemic, we saw a huge increase in the number of online dashboards with maps, which was great, right? We could see all that data, but there's a lot more to GIS science than that. And we need to be doing a lot more than that to address health disparities. So I think we need to see more widespread use of more robust geospatial methods, like some of the methods used in the collection and moving beyond just mapping individual measures in isolation. And we also need to move beyond just showing the disparities in health outcomes and into identifying and showing the root causes of those disparities, as well as better reflecting people's lived experiences. And in the editorial, Dr. Menes mentioned some qualitative geospatial techniques, and that these may be able to better illuminate some of those issues and really complement our quantitative geospatial methods. Dr. Matthews, what are some examples of GIS methods, approaches, and technologies featured across papers appearing in this collection? What emerged from the submissions were basically three general topic areas. The first topic involved commentaries on how geospatial technologies could inform the development of chronic disease and COVID-19 related policies. The second topic was health equity. And these articles were about the geographic associations between COVID-19 disparities, rates of chronic disease, and, and some socioeconomic characteristics. And then the third topic focused on how geospatial technologies can be used to evaluate the efficacy of interventions developed to reduce the transmission of COVID-19. And there was one article that I found particularly interesting in this collection, and they use GS technologies to determine whether increases in working or shopping from home were associated with reductions in the transmission of COVID-19. Dr. Matthews, the guest editorial written by you, Dr. Minnis, and Dr. Houston framed the purpose of the collection and described content across papers appearing within it. The guest editorial points out that, in the past, much of the public health community has addressed infectious disease and chronic disease separately. Please tell us why it's important to take a holistic approach to infectious and chronic disease prevention. What we observed during the pandemic was that older adults with pre-existing chronic conditions were most vulnerable to severe COVID-19 outcomes, such as uh, hospitalization and death. Thus, the prevention and control of chronic disease before the pandemic could have potentially reduced rate of severe COVID-19 during the pandemic. But on the other hand, there's recent evidence to suggest that COVID-19 may aggravate existing chronic conditions or even increase the risk of developing a new chronic disease. So preventing infections like COVID 
may reduce the severity of a pre-existing chronic condition in an individual and perhaps even prevent a chronic disease from developing in the first place. What are other lessons learned as it relates to COVID-19 and GIS and technology that can be applied to the nation's COVID-19 public health responses moving forward? Dr. Houston, we'll start with you. So one of the major lessons learned is really the importance of collaboration and including collaboration between infectious disease and chronic disease researchers, which Dr. Matthews was just talking about. And just to build on that a little bit, in reality, the line between infectious disease and chronic disease really isn't as clear as we usually think. So many of the diseases that we think of as chronic, like some cancers, actually have an infectious trigger. And many of the diseases that we think of as infectious, like Lyme disease, can actually become chronic conditions. So with COVID-19, many people are developing long covid or symptoms that linger long past the acute phase of the disease. And some actually consider long COVID to be our newest chronic disease or have put that forward as an idea. So we really need more researchers and public health professionals collaborating across those areas. And then the other important collaboration is really between those trained in epidemiology and public health and those trained in geography and geospatial analysis. So collaboration between people in those fields really ensures that the work is both methodologically robust and relevant and actionable for public health. And one great place to foster that collaboration is in academic settings that already have both geography departments and public health departments. So fostering collaboration in those settings would be great. And I would also love to see more training programs for geospatial epidemiologists including for people who are already epidemiologists or geographers working in either academic or applied settings. Thank you. Dr. Matthews, your thoughts? First of all, we we do know that many public health professionals in the field are trained in GIS technologies because they do understand that place plays such a critical role in shaping a population's health. Yet, I I do wish we'd had more submissions in this collection from these public health practitioners because I, I, I really would like to hear the lessons that they learned as they use these technologies to respond to the pandemic in their communities. Um, and my second thought is that I, I really do like the efforts to make GIS data um, widely available to the public. I think that data democratization is very important. However, making valid conclusions from that data I do think requires some geographic expertise. So I wish there were a way for the public to interact with experts, and, and, and this would be a win-win. So, so that would make the experts aware of what the public is concerned about and uh, the validity of any conclusions made by the public using that data could then be supported by the experts. Dr. Minnis. What's next regarding GIS as the public health community continues to navigate and respond to COVID-19? Well, the first thing, uh, as Dr. Houston and Dr. Matthews touched upon, is greater collaboration between public health practitioners, researchers, and those with expertise in GIS. Uh, I think particularly important is the role of higher education. I'm a professor at a university. I teach extensively in GIS. We do have some public health students uh, in our courses, and I know many public health programs incorporate GIS education. Um, But these are really sort of uh, occasional, I guess, and there's not a lot of you know uh, broad infrastructure or understanding of how to actually 
um, integrate public health and GIS education at many universities. And I think there's a long way to go in that, and there'll be a lot of benefits to doing that. I'd also mention that, uh, you know, preventing chronic disease has a GIS snapshot article type that is really helpful in facilitating that integration. And I certainly encourage those in public health and uh, with expertise in GIS to pursue that as a way to get your research out, your findings out, your practices out in um, how GIS can be useful in uh, public health. Um, another aspect here has to do with data sharing. Uh, you know, one of the big challenges in responding to COVID-19 has to do with sharing uh, and disseminating disease data with the public, but also just among different public health agencies. One of the advances would be development of a spatial data infrastructure for sharing public health uh, data and disease data, just like we have with uh, in response to things like natural disasters or um, human-made disasters. Disaster response has been a big impetus for developing data infrastructures in other contexts. And I think there's an opportunity to do that here with disease data as well. Methodologically, there's a lot of um, opportunity for advancing spatial data analysis for disease forecasting, particularly for integrating advanced spatial analysis methods like GOAI, that's the integration of geospatial data and artificial intelligence. Uh, into disease forecasting. And I think the ability to collect and analyze highly granular geospatial data on things like human movement, um, like tracking, as I said before, data collected from your mobile phones and so on can really revolutionize our understanding of diffusion uh, and spread of COVID. Our use of things like contact tracing for mitigating that disease spread um, but I think one of the key things that definitely deserves mention is issues of privacy and civil liberties. So as we move forward in the use of these big geospatial data that tell us exactly where people are and where they're going, we can use those for things like disease forecasting, but we really have to be careful in terms of protecting people's privacy and civil liberties. And there's not really, at this point, a broad set of regulations for how exactly to proceed in that manner. The final issue concerns uh, long COVID uh, and the use of geospatial monitoring to identify places of high COVID concentration where it might overlap with certain types of chronic diseases and health disparities so that we can use these geospatial data and analytical methods and technologies to address and mitigate long COVID in the future. That's our time for today. Thank you all for joining me to discuss this important topic. To learn more and to read the papers within the collection we discussed here, visit the PCD Collections page online at www.cdc.gov PCD. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.